Man, well, again, Elevation, thank you all for allowing me to share uh, this day with you all. have to say that Pastor Daniel and you guys, look, you, y'all, we're family, okay? I mean, we're family. The help that you all have supplied to us, the volunteering, the financial support, I mean, the, the outreach a couple of weeks ago, like you guys are a tremendous blessing to our church. And I want you all to realize that I, I don't think doing ministry will be fulfilled without doing it without you all. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to do life and ministry with you. I love you all dearly. And not, you know, not to church love, you know. Like, you barely like them, but you tell them you love them with the love of the Lord. Not that one. (laughs) Like the actual, like, I like you, Elevation Church love. (laughs) Like, thank you um, for that partnership and that relationship. Uh, you all are in a, a realignment series through the book of Ephesians, and I have a piece of the puzzle today that I think will help really tie some things together from what you've heard, and hopefully uh, the conversation I'll have with you today will be a springboard for the next weeks. So let's do Ephesians chapter number 3, uh, verses 8 through 10, and that's Ephesians 3, 8 through 10, and I'm going to title today's message, The Real Definition of Church. And you are in quotations, all right? The real definition of church, you are in quotations. Y'all got Ephesians chapter 3? All right. It says this. This is from the NIV version. It says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for the ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, everybody say through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. Uh, I didn't show this to the first service, but I think this is so funny. Uh, In my notes, I had to scribble in red. Uh, because it is so funny to me uh, when it says that I am less than the least of the Lord's people. I mean, it is this awareness that he had that I'm not who, what's the best way to say it? God already built into the system our imperfections. That he already knew that we weren't going to be good enough, perfect enough, moral enough to proclaim his truth to people that don't know him. This should take the pressure off of many of you all that think that church, when you come to church, you have to fake, be phony, or can't be yourself. Uh, One of the things that I used to hate the most about church is I felt like it was the place where I couldn't be myself the most. Right? Like, do you really come to church really people knowing who you really are? Just wiggle your toes. Like, this is the place where you're supposed to come, real people, meeting a real God, you know, all the stuff we've heard, right? But oftentimes, we don't bring our real selves to church because we feel like who we really are would be judged and criticized by people. And it's, it, it is something that he says that uh, I am the least, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. At least he still understood that he was the Lord's. <laughs> And this grace that was given to him, and he says to preach. Everybody say to preach. First thing I want to tell you today, I want you to write in your notes, is that you are a preacher. Now, before you get up and run out 
and say, I'm not a preacher. Mr. Bishop, you don't know the life I live. <laughs> Mr. Bishop, you don't know what I did before I came to church. Mr. Bishop, you don't know all of that. Like, I'm nobody's preacher, right? And I want to try to give you a definition for what it means to be a preacher or to preach so that you realize that that's part of your assignment in life. To preach means to reach people through proclamation. Again, to preach means to reach people through proclamation. I've heard it said, and I know you've heard it said before too, um, that you're always preaching, just sometimes you're using words. Your life, your life has an assignment attached to it, and it is for us to proclaim truth to power. We're going to walk through this scripture today so that you can truly understand who you are. Um, I remember uh, when I really came into the knowledge and the power of what the church truly was, it caused some frustration in my life because I, I gave my life to Jesus at 15 years old, and I started preaching the same year. Um, so I've been in ministry 23 years. Uh, now, I, I mean, I've been in ministry a long time. That means I've done a lot of church. I've sat through a lot of church services, okay? I've been in black church, white church, Latino church, Haitian church, African church, I mean, house church, online church, which I'm sick of. <laughs> I'm tired of Zoom. Okay, I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of setting. I'm sick of you know setting up that camera. Yeah, I am. It is exhausting. I'm tired of it. I'm glad to be in the house of God with y'all today. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Because that camera does not talk back. And that camera shows you all your imperfections if he got an HD one. <laughs> so, I've been, so when I tell you, man, I have been in all kind of church. I have seen a lot of different expressions and style of church. Um, and so a church service specifically and particularly doesn't move me, right? However, I understand that because I am the church, I am the move, Because I am the church, I understand that I am the move. It causes me to approach the gathering very different. Because I don't come to the gathering for what the gathering can give me. I come to the gathering for what I can give it. So I come to the gathering not to receive but to give. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. I realize that when I step in a church environment and people see the victory and the joy that is on my life, they know that I'm in a relationship with God because they know I live in the same world, okay? I feel like we're in this world of a trifecta right now. It is COVID, all right? Racism, uh, and what's the third one? Crime, right? This, this trifecta of constantly being inundated with all of this news about the difficulties that's going on in this world, not having to gather, not being able to gather, still understanding that part of my assignment as the church is to be the change that's in the world. So I want you to just, I want you to strap in your seatbelts because today I'm going to deploy you right? I'm going to give you some marching orders. I'm going to get you to understand that your life has an assignment attached to it. That's a good place to take a note. Your life has an assignment attached to it. So it means you won't die until that assignment is done. 
The reason why you keep living is because God says it's not done yet. So understanding that your life has an assignment attached to it allows you to live life with purpose and fulfillment. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. The thing that I'm trying to stir you with again is so that you don't come back to church expecting for church to do for you what you should be doing as the church in the world. Y'all hear me? Right? So, yes, come together. Let's have a good time. Like, I, I tell people all the time, church should be the most exciting place on the planet because we serve a Savior that has never lost a battle. May y'all hear me? This is, this is the World Series Super Bowl Sunday every Sunday because he just doesn't lose. How would, you approach, how would you approach going to a game knowing that your team will never lose? You go in with victory, right? So you don't come in fighting for victory. You worship from victory. So this is why when we're singing and clapping and things of that nature, it's because we already know that we have the victory. So that means your life is not too hard for God to handle. He's never lost a cost. He's never lost a battle. So you might think you're too imperfect. And God's like, oh, so you really want to challenge me? I got you. You think, you think your life is too hard for me? You think your difficulty and your past is too hard for you to overcome? You think that the reason why you don't use your life to tell people about the goodness of God that's in your life is because of all oh, your sin, all oh, because of the difficulties that were in your life or, or the way that you got here when God was saying, I am so, I fearfully and wonderfully made you that I am not caught off guard or by surprise by anything that happens in your life. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they, which is us, that dwell therein. I want you to realize that God is, has never lost his cool sitting on that seat of authority. <laughs> God has never been like, oh, man, I did not expect a COVID-19. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Hey, angels, come here. What are we going to do about this COVID-19? Not at all. He's still in control. He said... Because I put you in the earth, God is at rest. Hear me good. He put you in the earth, so he's at rest. When you understand that your life has an assignment and your life is a specific answer to a specific problem, then you will live your life with destiny and fulfillment. One of the saddest things that I see are people that I call dead men, uh, dead while alive, dead men walking. They're experimenting with their life, but they don't know how to live their life. When you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you will abuse it. And I'm finding that many people have abused their life and also have abused their definition of church to cast off our responsibility to not be the church in the world. We'll come to church and we'll give and we'll say, oh, well, it's for the church to solve sex trafficking. Hey, don't get quiet yet. It's for the church to solve that I gave to them. They take care of it, Pastor. <laughs> I gave my money, go on, and, go on and take care of it, right? When the reality of the matter is, you are to say, I am the church. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God, which is not your own. For the Bible says you have been purchased with a price. You have been, I feel a preacher now, all right? You have been redeemed uh, to actually live your life to be the church in the world. 
So the gathering has its place, but it is not the end-all, be-all. So what God has done is he showed us that through this time when we couldn't gather, was the mission of the church still going forward? Was the mission of the church still going forward? So he says that I am less than the least of all the, of, of the Lord's people, but God gave me grace. I'm thankful for the empowerment that God gave me to do what he's called me to do. So he gave me the empowerment for my imperfection. Whew. Man, somebody should be giving God praise for that. Because I tell you what, if he left it up to me without his grace, do you know the train wreck I would be? I mean, do you know the mess I am with Jesus? Do you know, <laughs> do you know what I would be like without Jesus? Okay, do you know what you would be like without Jesus? I mean, I know you came to church looking good today, but... I, I, you can cancel it if I didn't have Jesus. <laughs> but he says that I gave you this grace to preach, again, to reach through proclaiming to the Gentiles so that you can reach across the aisle, people that don't have the resources, people that don't have the relationship, for you to proclaim to people that are outside of the will and the covenant of God that they can come to know who he is. The boundless the limitless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone. And this is what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to make it plain to you how this works, to administer, administrate. How does the system work together? To make it plain, the administration of this mystery, which the ages past was kept hidden in God, my God, who created all things. But then he says his intent was that now, through the church, say it again, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Um, I have, you know, for a few years, have taken on the task of being an apologist for the church. The church is a tremendous blessing and a vehicle of God's blessing in the earth. It is a value-centered place of people that have a relationship with God and understand who we're called to be. We are people that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have people that have been called out of ignorance into knowledge, right? So darkness, ignorance, knowledge, light. The Bible says you are the light of the world, a city set up on a hill whereby you cannot be hid. You are the revelation of the world, a city, a vast ecosystem of resources and relationship that are set up on a hill where you cannot be hid. So as much as you try to hide, as much as you try to let somebody else do it, y'all, y'all been, I'm like me, y'all, like, I try to be, a, I'm a super regular person, right? I'm a super regular person, but even when I go in environments, when I'm just trying to be regular, somebody always says, some a little different about that guy. And maybe they think it's in my smile or in my kindness. When those are just God showing his manifold wisdom right? His expression, God is love. Or through the things that I create or things that I administer with my life, people are able to see the manifold wisdom of God through the church, through us being the church. Um, and I've been this apologetic because I've been trying to get people to realize that the church is more than just a religious institution. I don't want us to disrespect the sacrifice that Jesus made for us by thinking that he died for us just to come to church to be comfortable. 
I just want you to think about this for a moment. Do you think Jesus left his throne at the right hand of God? Okay, the right hand of God signifies the power of God. So you leave your throne at the right hand of God to come down to earth to be born of a virgin, to be crucified on the cross, to resurrect, to show yourselves the death, the burial, and the resurrection, to show yourself to people that you are who you say you are, to ascend back up to heaven for us to have steeples, crosses, drums, organs. All right, I want you to stay with me. All right? So, so you think that that was the totality of Jesus' death? I feel like, I feel like sometimes Jesus want to come and be like, y'all better get y'all life together. <laughs> right? It's a part of it. Listen, celebration. We can celebrate. Right? That's, like I said, the gathering, he says, to forsake not the assembly of ourselves together in the evil day. Right? So to withstand the evil day, he says to gather together. But he did not say that was the end all be all. So what I'm trying to do is give you the totality of the equation. Once you come here and you celebrate what Jesus has done for you, you are now deployed to show people Jesus in the world. Y'all with me? So you are deployed after you celebrated, you laid your burdens down, people see that you have, you have survived another week. Because remember, this gathering was for the fact that the culture was trying to crucify them for being believers. So it would make sense why they celebrated the gathering in the way that they did, because they were able to say, look, you made it, I made it too, I survived. Yo, you survived COVID, I did too. Right? So, so think about this. Put this in context. This gathering showed that they survived what was going on in the world. But he said to be in the world, but not of it. So he's saying, I, look, everything that's going on in the world, we have to live through it, but your values don't come from it. Right? Y'all with me so far? So it is this showing us the reality of your power as the church, that God has put you in the earth for such a time as this, that God is not scratching his head, nor is he confused or out of control with what's going on in this world. He strategically, fearfully, and wonderfully made you. And then he put you in the earth in the time that was most needed for your gift, your talent, your ability, and your passion. And he puts you in the earth, and he says, live through it. <laughs> y'all, y'all, do y'all hear what I'm saying? Because religion has taught us detachment. Right? Get saved enough to go to heaven. And then what God does is he heals you to keep you out of heaven. I just want you to think, just sit on it for a second. If God wanted you in heaven, he wouldn't heal you. Think about it. <laughs> he wants heaven to be in the earth. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Listen, where? Oh, where? As it is. Right? So he wants you to be an extension of heaven in the earth. See, your life is on deployment. Your life has an assignment. He wants you to be an extension of heaven. He wants you to be an ambassador on behalf of heaven in the earth. See, that's what, they, that's what will make the devil tremble when you get up in the morning. 
Because he knows, oh, this person knows who they are. Yeah, I don't care what I throw at them. They just, they're steadfast, unmovable, always abounding <laughs> in the work of the Lord. See, isn't it something when you understand who you are that you're unmovable? Right? You want to know how to deal with fear? You get knowledge. You want to know why? Because I know if I step off this stage, I know where I'm going. So I have knowledge. The reality is if you're going to manage your life, you got to understand why you're in this life. And that knowledge, that unfolding of that administration, those secrets that were hidden, he wants you to now know. I want you to write this down. The way to know God's secrets is to become God's friend. This is why I'm so anti-religion. Okay, not anti-church, anti-religion, because religion will teach you that you can't know God. Religion says, do it this way, then you'll come to know God. Act this way, then you'll come to know God. When you won't know the fullness of his secrets if you don't have a relationship with him. I don't share my secrets with anybody that's not my friend. If you're not my friend, you don't get to know my secrets. Right? It's the same way God is saying, you want to understand who I am, what I'm doing in the earth, you want to understand my revelation, you got to become a friend. Friends get access. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this series because I think there has to be a realignment of the way we see the big C church and then how we as the church operate in this world. Because if this world is going to change, the church has to be at the table. We got to be at the table. Look, we got to be at the table. Like we have to unlock and we have to let our light shine before men so they will see our good works and do what? Glorify our Father again, which is in heaven. Isn't this something how Jesus keeps saying, look, he is not on earth, but you are. <laughs> so Jesus continues to remind you that God is in heaven in his seat of authority, his place of dominion, but the earth is yours. So if you don't wake up to that authority and that place of dominion and your place of influence, you will continue to live your life as an experiment. Like It's something. Uh, many people will live good enough to get to heaven. I'm not God, so I can't tell them who to let in and out, right? <laughs> but many people will live moral enough to get to heaven. But I'm, I'm sometimes challenged with, is it just good enough to live good enough to get into heaven? Right? Because the Bible says faith without works is dead. Well, what is works? Not behaviors. It is living my life in accordance to my assignment. So God's grace allows us not to die before we fulfill our assignment. Y'all with me. This is why I'm loving this study that we're in because it's like, can, can I really just say, hey, I, I accepted the Lord. I prayed my, my salvation prayer. I got baptized, you know, and I'm good. When I think it's a little bigger than that, that the reality is it's not just about you getting saved. It's about are you living that salvation out, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Y'all with me so far? All right. So I, I just want you to, to see the big picture. Um, the Bible says Isaiah 96, and we've, we've made this a Christmas scripture. 
<laughs> and I laugh every time I hear it. I was like, okay, so y'all still got Jesus in the baby stage. <laughs> oh, little baby Jesus. Okay. Isaiah 96 says, and the government will be on his shoulders, and you shall call his name Wonderful, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And then it says, at the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Understand, Jesus had something that was on his shoulders. And I want to submit to you, it was not a religion. Nowhere did it say the religion will be on his shoulders. That's not what it said. It said, and the government will be on his shoulders. An administration will be on his shoulders. A way of thinking and operation will be on his shoulders. And you'll call his name Wonderful, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Notice that the shoulders is a place of responsibility, right? This is what the shoulders represent. It is a place of being able to bear burdens, right? To carry heavy things. But notice the Bible says that his yoke for you, his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. But it did not say that it wasn't a yoke and it did not say that it wasn't a burden. The thing that I'm trying to get the church to understand is this. If we're going to be the change in this world, we have to take responsibility for what he's given for us to administrate. And one of the challenges that I've been trying to give to the church is this. Look, now COVID has changed the way we do church. We're watching online. You guys that are watching online, so good to see you. Well, I, I hope it's good to, for you to see me. Okay. But, <laughs> you know, you're watching online. And now we're distance apart and, you know, now we're slapping air high fives and we're not touching and hugging and all of that stuff like we used to. It's changed fundamentally how we will experience church for who knows, right? I wish God would tell me. I don't personally believe there's going to be a sense of normalcy and I'm actually kind of glad about it. And this is why. Because it's going to force us to have to be the church in the world. I'm glad about it because many people have put the weight on the institution instead of taking the weight on themselves. So it's not good enough just to say, oh, I go there or I support there or I, you see what I'm saying? Now is who are you being the church to in the world? All right. Who are you taking the manifold wisdom of God? Notice it said through the church. <laughs> so this is why I am a, a fan of the church. This is why God is a fan of you. He sings over you. He wakes you up every morning. Get up. <laughs> get, don't you get up. Don't let depression, oppression, don't let your past, don't let guilt and shame keep you locked down. Because the more you're locked down, the, somebody else is in a burdensome situation. Because your life has an assignment and an answer attached to it for somebody or something. Yep. So my goal in life is not to die old. My goal in life is to die finished. Oh, my goal in life is not to die old. Jesus didn't die old, but he died finished. He said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. So he understood his assignment and what he was called to do, which made his life fulfilled. I think one of the reasons why a lot of, nah, look, live as long as you want to live, all right? I'm just, okay, so hear me out. Live as long as you want to live. Huh. 
But I think that one of the reasons why God continues to allow us to live longer is because he does not, it would be a shame to enter into heaven. And he goes, but I had all of this for you to do with your life. Think about this. I had all of this to do with your life. You never wrote your book. You never sang your song. You never traveled. You never inspired your kids to be better than what they were called to be. You never went to the systems of influence that I called you to actually influence. So for some of us, it's going to be, a, I mean, look, enjoy yourself when you get to heaven. I mean, jump around and praise, you know, all that stuff they tell you and do it, all right? But, but I always tell people, look, you got eternity to spend eternity in heaven. Why don't you live well while you're in the earth? Hear me good. You have eternity to spend eternity in heaven. So live well with the amount of time that you got to live in the earth. That's the manifold wisdom of God that he wants to be shown on the world. That there's administrations, gifts, talents, abilities, passions, all of that that he wants you to release on the world. That he's saying, look, I'm going to keep waking you up and putting breath in you until you do it. That's a good God, isn't it? That's a very good God because we spend the majority of our life experimenting and running. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Don't act like that this morning. <laughs> we spend a lot of our lives experimenting because the peace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help somebody today um, in these last five minutes. All right. Um, you want to know how to find peace? Obey the assignment. It's the same voice that God been speaking to you since a kid. Do it. Do it. But I don't want to, God. Do it. I don't want to, God. Do it. Move over there. I don't want to, God. Do it. Our whole lives experimenting to run away from the voice. To run away from the internal knowing that this is what he's called you to do with your life. And what happens is, I'm telling you, the more you think you're running away from it, you're going to run smack dab into it. So I would rather obey God when I have my energy than to struggle to obey God when I don't have my energy. This is why God says I call the young because they got strength. And I call the old because they have wisdom. Wisdom should be in relation to the assignment that you fulfilled. So success is not about having things. Success is did I do? Did it function the way it was supposed to function? Did my life function, answer the problem, be the change that this world needs to see through the church? Listen, my prayer to you is that in this time of adjustment, that you're not asking God to make you comfortable. The Bible says, for we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those that are the called according to his purpose and plan. Verse 29 says, but for, for those that he foreknew, he predestined. We ain't going to talk about that today because we're in Ephesians. But I, want you to hear, but I want you to hear what this is saying here. It works together for the good to those that understand that they are called. It does not work together for your good if you don't understand that you are called. Many of us are looking for it to feel good for us to say that it is good. When you have to realize that life does not feel good, 
life is a journey to reality to show you who you are. So God takes your life on a journey to reveal to you your calling. I should do a leadership class because I think sometimes many people don't really understand who they are because they think calling is about a microphone in the church instead of realizing that there is an assignment attached to your life. That's your calling. Why? Because in the last two minutes, here it is. It says to, made, to be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So your assignment should make announcement in powers, in systems, in heavenly places, in places of authority. The wisdom of God should be made known through your life. That's why you're passionate about the things you're passionate about and called to the things you're called to. Because that's the place that God wants his expression and wisdom to be made known. Y'all got me? Let's pray. Father, I give you praise. You are so good. You're so good that you don't let us run away from the things that we should be doing with our lives. You're so good that you continue to wake us up in the morning because you have a design and you don't want us to miss out on the opportunity that you have for us. So Father, today we repent and we say we're sorry for running, for not accepting, for not standing in the authority, for limited thinkings and ideas that we have that cause us not to be who you call us to be. We say we're sorry. If you're watching online and you're saying, man, look, I need to serve Jesus with all my heart, my mind and my soul. And you know, I tried it my way. I have been the runner. Bishop, you were talking to me today. I was the one that's been trying to run because I don't think I'm good enough. Um, and my life has been difficult and tough. I want you to realize that God has never lost a battle and he's got you too. I want you to repeat after me this prayer and I want, you to, I want to introduce you to our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent of my sins and I'm sorry for how I've lived my life without you. Today, I choose you to be my Savior and my Lord. And today I will be, I will be what you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.